This episode is supported by the Felmer's Cheney Advocacy Board, or FCAB. FCAB is an advocacy board comprised of private citizens guided by a shared concern for social justice, corrections policy, and the successful re-entry of former inmates as they return to their communities. The 411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. People, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your A crime is committed. The person responsible is arrested. Then it becomes evident that that person has an issue with mental health, a mental health issue. Now, should the judicial system put him in jail while ignoring that mental health issue? Or should it be addressed early in the judicial process? Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. Now, we are talking today about a way to address this issue, Mental Health Treatment Court. And I have three gentlemen joining me to talk about this. First of all, retired Milwaukee County Judge Jeff Kramers, Jeffrey Kramers, Pastor Joseph Elwanger, founder of Wisdom's Statewide Reform Our Communities campaign, focused on Wisconsin's criminal justice system, and Sylvester Jackson, lead community organizer for Expo, Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Okay, so many people have heard of drug courts, but not so much about mental health treatment courts. First question, how prevalent is mental health in the court system? Judge, I'll start with you. Yeah, well, you get different statistics depending on who you ask, but generally I think you'd, you'd hear jailers, sheriffs across the country say, or prison wardens, that somewhere between 70 to 85% of the people in their facilities have some sort of a mental health uh, problem. may not be to the level of a diagnosed one, mm -hmm. but certainly they are suffering from some mental health issues. And obviously, or at least I think it's obvious, you incarcerate a person, that's going to exacerbate whatever mental health issues they have. So it's a huge problem. Uh, if you talk about the population of people who don't end up in jail or prison, but just kind of cycle back and forth through the, you know, getting arrested, getting released, back in the community, getting in trouble because they bother somebody or, mm -hmm. or upsetting to someone. We deal with mental health issues every day in the courts in Milwaukee. Wow. Okay. So there is it within the court system. I know you have been a judge in Milwaukee County. And Mr. Jackson, I read an article, and listen to this. It says, by some estimates, a 90-day treatment in a mental health hospital might avoid a 10-year sentence in prison for an individual with mental illness. Did you see a lot of mental health problems in prison? Uh, well, not only did I see a lot of mental health problems, I was an individual who suffered from mental health during my stay in incarceration. Mm -hmm. It just ironic that you say the 90 days, which is what I had prior to being incarcerated, and I spent 10 years in the system, there are things you wouldn't believe that you see, individual, and to be just plain and straight on it, you have individuals that cuss themselves, you have individuals that take pills, you have individuals that play with their feces, smear it on the walls, and use it as a tool or uh, throw at guards, 
uh, you see a lot of things that you know is not norm mm -hmm. inside the institution of the Department of Correction. Yeah. Wow. All right, Pastor, I want to know if you are looking at the mental health treatment court as a way to reduce mass incarceration. Very definitely. If we can re remove people from incarceration and get some help for, say, a mental health issue or uh, an addiction issue, and if we can get those persons into onto a path of recovery where they stay on that path, we are going to keep them out of prison. We're going to reduce recidivism because that's one of the biggest issues and problems in the correctional system in Wisconsin. A third of the people in the prison system are more than that, are people who are recycling for the second or the third time. And so if we can get treatment for people with mental health issues and keep them out of prison, we are going to be reducing the prison population, yes. Okay. Now, I know in Milwaukee County, we're kind of familiar with the uh, mental health treatment court because a pilot program has started, what, Judge Kramer's in 2012, maybe? Yeah, it was somewhere around the end of or middle of 2012, I was approached, I was chief judge at the time, mm -hmm. I was approached by a public defender, a district attorney, a deputy district attorney, and they asked if we could start a mental health treatment court, modeled on the same premise that a drug treatment court or some, some other kinds of treatment courts that we see, veterans treatment court, if we could start one in Milwaukee. It becomes a resource issue for any court system to do that, and I agreed that we would try a pilot project that I would preside over it as in my extra time as mm -hmm. chief judge. Um, so we could only take five to seven cases at a time, but we wanted to see if we could figure out how this would work, what it would look like, who we'd need to, to have involved, because it isn't just the DA and the public defender. You need lots of other resources at the table, housing, benefits, mental health counseling, medication, all of those uh, issues are at play. And so we wanted to make sure that we could uh, get it working right before we talked about expanding it. So we started the pilot project in, I think we actually, I think took our first cases in about 2013 and it's still, um, I've been retired from the Milwaukee bench for a couple of years now, but I believe it is still operating. Okay. Just to kind of illustrate how it works a little bit. When we talked earlier, you told me about uh, an example of a person who was calling in bomb threats. Can you tell me that story again? Yeah, so we had a gentleman, one of our very first people in the program was a gentleman who's, who's actually very intelligent, but he had suffered from some mental health issues, and he had a habit of calling in bomb threats as really a way of a call for help. He, he had no, I don't believe, had any, any mechanisms. He didn't have any tools to build a an actual bomb, but this was his way of getting attention. Um, and so we brought him into the program. So, so the way it works is uh, when someone gets charged or arrested for the crime, the district attorney looks at the case and says, is this a case that we think is appropriate for the pilot project? And they go over it with the public defender or the defense attorney, and then bring it to my attention. And I say yes or no. And this gentleman we brought into the program and then worked with him for a year. Um, and this is basically how it worked with, with every defendant. Mm -hmm. um, and if they were able to complete the program in a year, 
then the benefit they would get would be either a reduction to a misdemeanor or a dismissal of the case, depending on the seriousness of the activity. But what they would avoid is the prison sentence that you talked about earlier or a long lengthy uh, jail sentence that would just have them cycling back through the system. So what we would do is work with them to try and establish some stability in their life. If, if they needed housing, if they needed help getting their medicine, if they needed help getting uh, arranging for counseling, whatever their issues were, we would try and bring those folks to the table and review the case on a regular basis. It was a very, uh, you know, I tried not to sit up on the bench, for example, I would, you know, get down off the bench and, mm. and meet with people on, a, on the same level, which is yeah. unusual in a courtroom, to try and establish that kind of connection with people where they could realize that it wasn't about the DA trying to put them in prison. Um, it was about the team in the courtroom trying to help them avoid coming back in the courts again and again and again. So this is truly a, a team approach. It's all about almost like a, a wraparound. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. It, it, that was the whole point. Uh, and that was kind of my go-to uh, phraseology whenever we had a, a problem with somebody who said, I'd say, look, your probation officer, who's also part of this, isn't trying to punish you. The DA isn't here to, to throw you in jail. I'm not trying to send you to prison. We're trying to work with you. So you got to work with us so we can help you and try and establish that kind of a sense in the part of the defendant. Okay. So after doing that for a while, were you convinced that, uh, yeah, this is needed for a full calendar? Yeah. Yes. I, I have no doubt in my mind that we need to, to um, expand the mental health uh, uh, treatment approach to handling cases in the criminal justice system. How we do that is a, is a different conversation. It isn't just say, oh, open up a mental health treatment court. It, there's a lot more to it that I'd be happy to talk about. But, um, but yeah, I, I absolutely believe we need to expand our uh, treatment approach to mental health cases in the criminal justice system. Okay. And Pastor and uh, Mr. Jackson, you guys are kind of lobbying state legislators to you know, pick this up, include this in, I think it's called the TAD program, whereas there is grant funding, so Milwaukee County could expand. Is, is that correct? That is correct. Both uh, Sylvester Jackson and I were in uh, Whitewater at the University of, White, of uh, Wisconsin in Whitewater for the first meeting of the Joint Finance Committee. Uh, they're looking at the budget uh, that the uh, governor handed down and they say they're setting it aside and going to set their own uh, budget. But uh, we were both there and both in, uh, worked hard to get them to understand that the current treatment alternatives and diversionary funding uh, mechanism and law does not include mental health treatment courts. It uh, includes only drug treatment courts. So we said, be sure that you uh, say in the budget that the TAD money can be used for mental health treatment courts, just as the governor did. The governor put it into his budget and we wanted them to keep it there. And uh, Sylvester gave a great testimony on why this is so important. Right, and I want to have Mr. Jackson 
kind of go over what he said, but we're almost coming up to a break. So if you have the one hearing, will you have to go back again, or what are the plans for this in, in lobbying lawmakers? Well, it, we're, we're definitely going to have to be persistent. There are three more Joint Finance Committee hearings, and we hope to have a voice at each one of these saying the same thing. So they get the point that this is really important, and there's a lot of support all over the state for this, uh, and indeed there is uh, all over the state. Uh, but the Joint Finance Committee is not going to finish uh, with their version of the budget until probably the end of June. Uh, they're supposed to present a budget by the beginning of July. Okay. And usually they do, but sometimes they even go past the July 1 deadline. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Mr. Jackson, I'm going to have you kind of go over what you told uh, that committee, and it encompasses kind of your life story, which is very compelling. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. I have a mentor, and she convinced me to continue my education. No one receives a diploma alone. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. We are talking about mental health treatment courts. And um, we stopped where I was going to get Mr. Jackson to uh, tell us a little bit about your presentation to the Joint Finance Committee. And, um, well, I've heard your story, so I know it's compelling. So tell me your pitch to them. Uh, well, you know, I thought it was uh, very important to help them see a human being side of that bill and not just a number. Mm -hmm. And so um, I use myself as an individual who was from the age of seven years old to the age of 13 was sexually abused, mentally abused, physically abused, traumatized in every way, you know, in poverty, you name it. And going up through the life, you know, uh, having no mental health treatment, no counseling or anything like that, you know, I used the what if, you know, what if I had a had mental health treatment prior to becoming an adult, prior to entering the justice system, prior to being victimizing other individuals to end up being convicted. You know, what if there was mental health treatment available at the front end of things so that I wouldn't have to come out of the back end of DOC? And in that regard, it's like people tend to say, okay, we got money for drug courts, but people don't understand most people like myself included end up on drugs because of the mental health issues I was going through. You know, it's the mental health issue that draw me to the drug to escape what I was going through in reality, you know, which, uh, you know, led to worse, worse, worse until the, you know, the bottom fell out of everything. And so if we can start addressing the mental health just like we addressing the drug problem, we will save a lot of money in tax 
We'll save a lot of people from being incarcerated, and we'll save a lot of this mass incarceration, recidivism thing that is tearing down this country right now because it is cheaper to treat people through mental health means than spending thousands of dollars on individuals to lock them up. And so I was hoping by using my personal story being a person who experienced the drugs, the mental health aspect, and then the 10 years in DOC, and what if. So I, I let them understand that they're in a great position because many times we can never answer what if because mm-hmm. it's behind us. We can't turn that clock back. But like I asked, what if you can allow that to stay in the budget? What if you can allow the mental health court to be used with TAF funding? What if peoples who instead of going to prison after this can be treated and avoid prison system? You know, what if they take the courage to stop playing politics and start treating people in a humane way? So I was hoping that that kind of put the human side of things so they can reflect on people to study, just not dollars. Very good. Very good. So I'm bo- really, mm-hmm. go ahead. Can I, I just respond to something that both uh, Pastor Ellinger and, and Mr. Jackson just said? And it highlights the problem. I, I absolutely agree with their position that TAD money should be expanded or redefined to allow it to be used on mental health courts. Mm-hmm. However, if all that the legislature does is add, you can spend this TAD money on mental health courts, it highlights the resource problem that I talked about before. Because if you take $10 of the TAD money away from drug courts and give it to a mental health court, it means you're taking it away from somebody's, somebody's drug court. And it should not be a binary choice. It should not be a zero-sum game where if you're going to support mental health, you're going to have less money for drug courts. They need to add money. They need to expand the definition and add money to the TAD funding so that there's adequate funding for drug treatment courts and mental health courts. Because as Mr. Jackson just pointed out in his story, very rarely do we have somebody come into the criminal justice system that only has one problem. They don't come in with just a mental health problem or just a drug problem or just PTSD from being a veteran. There's there are dual or triple uh, issues going on, and we need to address them all. So we need to fund these things adequately. And the nice, the the beauty of the TAD program is it has been strongly supported by both political parties. It has shown over the years that that money, that funding stream has been in existence, that it is paid back in the kinds of dollars that Mr. Jackson has talked about, where you save money. Uh, by spending it up front to help people's problems and keep them out of the criminal justice system. So I just wanted to make sure that we're not, it's not an either or choice. Right. It needs to be both and it needs to be expanded. You're not taking from Paul to pay Peter. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to agree a, a thousand percent with Judge Kremers on that. And that's why yesterday in front of the Joint Finance Committee, uh, we also supported the governor's increase of the funding for TAD by $15 million, which would double the amount that's in there now. Uh, That's exactly what we need Mm -hmm. to meet the kind of need that there is all over the state for both drug treatment and mental health treatment courts. 
So we're talking about now, whereas, you know, a judge is doing a few mental health treatment cases and also doing their other things that are on their docket. Now, with the grant funding, what would have to take place? You would have, you would need another judge, a coordinator? Um, well, that's the, that's the issue, of course. There are a couple of ways to create a calendar. One is to add a judge to the system. That's extremely expensive from both the state and the county's perspective. But that is one way is to create a new calendar. The other way to do it is if you say, as we've all talked about, that there are lots of cases in the system right now where with people with mental health issues, and you pull all of those away from each calendar, you will reduce the caseload for all those other judges to the point where you can collapse five judicial calendars into four. And now you've got a freed up calendar where you can send all those mental health cases. It's a logistical issue. That's a challenge. And again, not as simple as saying, okay, we've got a judge, we've got a courtroom, uh, we got a DA and a public defender. Now you have to have all that community support that we've talked about from housing to mental health support, counseling, uh, case management, all yeah. of those things. And they have to be able to support that docket as well. So right now in the pilot project, we do it you know, one day a week. Um, and, the, and so someone from BHD and housing and, and WCS and so forth come into the court. But if you're doing it five days a week because you've got a full calendar, now those agencies have to be able to support that. So, so it's, uh, it requires the kind of infusion of resources that Pastor Ellinger is talking about that, that we, we need. But as Mr. Jackson pointed out, it's kind of the, the old uh, commercial, pay me now or pay me pay later. Me later. Yeah. By the way, if you pay me later, it's going to be a lot more expensive and there are going to be a lot more victims. Yes. And there's going to be a lot more damage and trauma in the community. Yeah. So yeah. pay me now or really pay me later. I hear you. So, Pastor, say if Judge was saying that it's TADS is supported by, you know, both parties, but say if something happens and they don't include mental health into the TADS program, so that grant money is not there, what happens then? Well, that is, of course, a very crucial question. Yeah. And, uh, we like to believe that there would be such a deep commitment to an understanding of the need for mental health treatment courts <clears throat> that the county would be looking for so other sources of funding besides the state funding. This is difficult to do on the scale that Milwaukee County needs it, but this is exactly what Brown County, that's Green Bay, and Outagamie County, that's Appleton and uh, the area, and Eau Claire counties have done. They have taken some of their tax money, some philanthropic money, and they have a limited, you know, smaller mental health treatment court than we would need here in really in Milwaukee County. But they found the, the resources because they had the will to look for them and conjure them up. And that's what we will have to do in Milwaukee County if the state doesn't come through, or we will have to turn around in two years from now, fight the same battle at the, and get it into the budget. You know, we're, we're not giving up uh, because this is such a crucial issue. Uh, it, it may mean that we have to try uh, method B if method A isn't working. Right. Mr. Jackson, I see you, your hand. 
Yeah, because I wanted to add the flip side of that. If they do not allow the TAF funding to be um, uh, extended towards mental health, one thing we're going to see is the continued waste of taxpayers' dollars mm. through the DOC system because that's exactly uh, where a great deal of recidivism and uh, mass incarceration is being generated through, and that is disregarding the mental health of the people that's out here in this community. And when you disregard the mental health, you're opening the door for all the other things on the back end that's going to cost millions and millions more dollars. So it just makes sense if uh, if it's about community safety, if it's about uh, taxpayers, then it makes sense to add uh, mental health to the equation because that's that's really one of the main things that uh, will start to resolve and put a downshift to this mass incarceration. And uh, when you look at like right now, the biggest mental health uh, treatments facility in this state at the Department of Correction. Mm. It should not be that way, you know, uh, because I've been in the Department of Correction and they're not equipped to really treat mental health. I was there 10 years. Uh, seven of the uh, 10 years was in DOC and, and all they, they was doing is pushing pills. There was no adequate mental health therapy counseling or anything mm-hmm. like that that was sustaining people. Good so point. if we can do it in the community, if we can do it out here on the front, like uh, the judge was saying that it's going to take the community to get involved. Organization like Expo, MICA, Project Return, we're out here in the community pushing for these changes because we know a lot of the problem that is going to be fixed going to start from right here inside the community. And one of the things I appreciate from the Department of Correction is they're allowing the programs that normally be in the Milwaukee Security Detention Facility to be allocated out here to the community where people can actually treat people while they're out here, getting the help they need without wasting taxpayers' dollars sitting on inside the uh, prison system. Okay. Well, our time is pretty much gone, but I wanted to add one more question, and that is, as far as this legislation, what can Joe Blow Citizen do? So I would say the best way to make systemic changes in any system, specifically the criminal justice system, is to get the public and the community to say, we will not accept a system that does less than A, B, and C. We will not accept a system that does not address mental health issues as early as possible, that does not address, you know, uh, drug abuse or domestic violence or whatever the problems are. We want an evidence-based system that is using our community, our tax dollars as wisely as possible. So the community has to drive the narrative. And I think if you can do that, you have a better chance of mobilizing the legislature to to respond appropriately very good so pastor does that mean calling your your lawmaker yeah judge Crimmers is right on top of it what what i think he's saying we would agree with a thousand percent too and that is that we have to change the narrative the narrative has been in the community and especially with uh elected officials who think that this is what the community is thinking Uh, They're thinking that the way you deal with all crime is punish, punish, punish. And if that's 
the, the framework and the narrative, then we build more prisons and we put people in and have long sentences. But if the narrative says anybody who commits a crime has an, an underlying issue, and many of those people, uh, if the issue is addressed, will lead a good, solid, productive life. And therefore, we need to have uh, resources used to help them deal with those underlying issues. And that's the restorative push that is happening now. And the narrative is being changed. But as Judge Kremer says, uh, it, it has to get stronger and it has to get clearer to our elected officials so that they feel safe to vote mm. in this direction. Uh, and, and I think the narrative is changing in that direction, but it's uh, sometimes pretty slow. I understand. Gentlemen, thank you so much for talking to us about mental health treatment courts, because I'm sure that there are many people who wouldn't, they just weren't aware of it. And you have really illustrated the real need that's out there. So thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. This is retired Milwaukee County Judge Jeffrey Kramers, Pastor Joseph Elwanger, founder of Wisdom's statewide Reform Our Communities campaign focused on reforming Wisconsin's criminal justice system, and Mr. Sylvester Jackson, lead community organizer for Expo, Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing. Thank you again, gentlemen, for spending this time with me. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for another edition of the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. Remember, we're a nonprofit organization, so if you'd like to help us out, go to our website, the411live.org. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor. This is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.